Hi there, and welcome to the Itchy Feet Travel Podcast with me, Joe O'Connor. The show where one special guest talks all things travel, the trips that have shaped their lives, what travel really means to them, and indeed what it might look like in the future. If some say that humour knows no borders, and while there is some truth in it, my guest for this episode is witness to how comedy is both perceived and received by different people in different countries. He has been a staple of Irish stand-up comedy for two decades now, and in that time he has toured across the world, bringing his brand of humour to all walks of life. Among the places he's done stand-up are China, the US, the Middle East, Australia, and as he says in his bio, even as far away as England. Now I should add that he's also an old college friend of mine from way back when. I think it's my favourite thing about being a comedian is to get to travel, to be paid to go somewhere which is a great benefit of the gig. For this episode, my guest is the one and only Carl Spain. Once the the news broke about there being the virus in China, I kind of went, oh, those Chinese gigs probably won't happen now. When we chatted, Carl was in lockdown mode at his home in Limerick. He chatted with me about discovering his comedic side in Amsterdam, gigging in Azerbaijan, getting recognised in Beijing, and telling dirty jokes in India. Humour is, is, is similar all over the world. The place where I noticed the most difference because of all the gigs you've done, I've done, you know, where you go to, whether it's Africa, Asia, whatever, the one place that was different mm-hmm. was India. All that and more on this episode of the Itchy Feet Travel Podcast. I hope you enjoy. Carl Spain, great to have you on the Itchy Feet Travel Podcast. How are things with you? Joe O'Connor, it's an absolute pleasure. I've always been a fan of your sister Sinead and her music. What? You're a different Joe O'Connor? Oh, you're the Joe O'Connor that I went to college with? That's the one. <laughs> Whose face I'm looking That's at? Oh no, that makes more sense now. <laughs> well look, th- thanks a million for joining me. It's great to have you on. And uh, we were just catching up there. The last time I saw you was at one of your gigs. Um, over a year ago, I'd say, in Rat Minds. We won't go into the details of that <laughs> and how many were in attendance. Well, I suppose, first of all, how are you getting on with this whole lockdown thing? Um, yeah, I, I'm not enjoying it. I've, I, I've days, I'm actually fine today, but there's been a couple of, uh, over the, now that it's May, I kind of, like, I look and you see it's May. I feel like I missed April because I know it started in March and I told, and all the talk was, oh, we're going to lock down for three weeks. Mm-hmm. And I kept saying, this is, you know, we're, we're locked down. I kept, now I didn't know at the time. I was like, you know, I had no basis on it. Just, we're, we're locked down till August, I think. And I thought then we, I could go back to work in September. Yeah. Um, I was optimistic. I said, there's no way they're just locking us down for three weeks. They'll tell us after two weeks, oh, it's going to be another three weeks. It's going to be another three weeks. And now that's kind of dragging. And it's the human contact is what I miss. Like I'm... Um, I, I like I sometimes leave the house and just try and find fun like I love going into a coffee shop and I'll be told oh uh, sit wherever you like and I'll go okay move those people <laughs> and <laughs> just for the reaction on the waitress and I can see sometimes they'll laugh and I just go oh, sounds you know annoying but I was like I've given them a bit of a highlight of their day that they'll go home and tell someone yeah. 
<laughs> and they go, who said that to you? And I go, I don't know, some fat bloke who looked like Simon Delaney. Um, but, you, you know, I, I, I love those. They don't have to yeah. be trying to be funny or just having a bit, you know, but just mm. yeah. chatting to people. I'll chat to strangers in coffee shops or cafes yeah. or in town or whatever like that, you know. Yeah. And... You know, I'm the, I have a regular pattern, like going into Easton's, I know the staff, that, you know. So I'll meet people and chat to them yeah. and I can't, you kind of starve yeah. to that. And even if you do recognise someone now, it's really hard to kind of, you know, go over near them mm-hmm. and kind of talk yeah. at them. But did you not you get know? that so before the lockdown, before the pandemic? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, but I think, that's what, I think that's what people are struggling with in general, that kind of human contact for sure, you know. And it's all about technology now, these kind of Zoom... Uh, calls yeah, and that kind of thing so it, it is difficult I have been lucky with my girlfriend in that I keep saying to her you're a good lockdown partner and that'll be the new judge of a relationship and people will go um, you know oh how are you getting on with him yeah well, but is he lockdown ready oh god I could never lockdown with him but I could date him you know because <laughs> yeah. and you we genuinely you don't know but this is a new thing yeah, for all of us right. But uh, I'm, you know, I imagine the horror stories around the world, like mm. you know, yeah, I just moved in with my girlfriend, and then the whole lockdown started. What happened? I don't know. She disappeared, and we never saw her again. <laughs> and she left her passport and never used a credit card. I don't know what happened to her. I did see, um, and I don't know how true it is, but yeah, that the divorce rate in Wuhan, you know, skyrocketed during oh, during right. the lockdown <laughs> period. But uh, yeah. Whether whether it's true or not is another thing, but yeah, I suppose uh, why you're here is to chat travel, and um, you know you were just telling me before you came on that you had a few gigs lined up, um, yeah. and I know that you you've, <laughs> you travelled a lot over the years. It it is part and parcel with comedy, really, isn't it? Uh, I do. It's it's. I think it's my favorite thing about being a comedian is to get to travel, to be paid to go somewhere which is a great benefit of the gig. Like I've been paid to go to, well, the furthest away would be Australia. And literally someone else has paid for your flight and hotel and you just to be funny. And you do feel the pressure then. Mm. You're going, I really better be funny or this guy's going to hate yeah. me. Um, I've been most places, uh, South America, I haven't been yet, but I haven't been to every country, but I've been all over, all over Europe, all over. I've not, I've been a few places in Africa, Asia, you know, Australia, New Zealand, America, Canada. So I've done a lot with it. And it's kind of, I, I think of those places when, you know, now when you see the statistics coming up from the COVID and you're thinking, God, yeah, I was there. Some of the people I met are obviously affected by that. Um, this time last year, I just finished being on a European tour when I'd done, I think it was 12 countries in a, just about a month. Right, well. um, and that was one of my favourite experiences of ever you yeah. know so yeah. um in march i was meant to be going to china mm-hmm. <laughs> and that went i think in january once i kind of once the the news broke about there being the virus in china i kind of went oh those chinese gigs probably won't happen now but we were meant to go to hong kong first and then china and then australia so once china went australia went because they weren't the promoter's not going to keep you sure you know, accommodate you for a week while we're waiting for the Australian gig. So they went. So, and I knew as the days and weeks went on, I went, Hong Kong is gone oh, as well. Yeah. Um, I'd Azerbaijan booked in for June. We were going to be over a couple of Irish comics and uh, an English comic. We were going to be over in 
Baku for when the Wel- the Welsh fans were going to be based there mm-hmm. during the European Championships. Oh, of um, they had two matches there. So the idea was that we would do comedy every night to some of the Welsh fans. You know, all we needed was like 150, Ooh. 200 of them every night for a comedy gig. Yeah. And then we could go to the matches as well because there's obviously... There's no one looking for comedy. You, you know, if you're Welsh and you've gone to Azerbaijan, you're not going... I know, tonight I'll go to a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I was going to ask um, you, because the last time I saw you, you were heading away to Baku um, a few weeks later. Um, so I was wondering, you know, what, what are comedy gigs like in these places, like China, like Azerbaijan? Or is it, as you say, do you find yourself just uh, doing a gig for expats or people who are on holiday or whoever? It's mostly a mix. So Azerbaijan, there was... There would have been some locals and it was weird. You get educated as you go there. So the, I'm going to Azerbaijan and like the keep saying to us, do not mention Armenia. Like they hate each other. <laughs> and I was like, I wasn't like, you know, it's not something I've ever felt I needed to be told. Like, don't mention Armenia. And I was like, why is this? Don't even joke about it. They just, it's just going to cause tension. And I was like, really? And even then, because it was funny that Arsenal had played there. Um, in the Europa League That's and right. Mkhitaryan the Armenian player was left at home and then they got to the final and they, did, they left him at home and I was going that's incredible yeah, that there's yeah. no, cause I, you know I, there's that I've level I've been to Armenia and I've, I've seen it, the, the hatred you know just by talking to some of the people never yeah. been to Azerbaijan but yeah it's these things that I guess you will certainly could do with a heads up on before taking to the stage. Well, yeah, there there is that, there is that, but uh, yeah, it was mainly expats. So there was people working in the oil business, um, but there was some locals. There was some people just passing through that kind of. Oh, there's a comedy gig on, and it was in a hotel function room, and it was it was great fun. Baku, the city itself, you could see it's there's an old town like a lot of these European cities. There's an old town, and then there's the new bit. And it's a beautiful place. It really is. I'd highly recommend it. It's certainly um, culturally rich. Um, there's a lot to see. But it's funny that you're seeing, you know, in that kind of sense of you're seeing the old city disappear. Now, the old town has been kept because of its cultural significance. But you're, they were literally going and there was a park that had been houses. Right. Okay. So it's, the, yeah. it's they literally flattened yeah. these old houses. So I don't know what the... Yeah, I wonder, to the did, it, did it feel there? like a bit of a bubble when you're in the kind of city centre, I wonder, you know, is it very different on the outskirts? Yeah, you'd see, but you'd see bits of the old traditional style, but because it's, it's you can see it's money, because so much money from the oil, like the football stadium there just looks incredible. And there's buildings and bridges and stuff, and you go, it all looks incredible. The city centre, the square is mapped out. It just all looks gorgeous and clean. And you just think like, you know, oh, it's it's a bit of a sanitized version probably of what Azerbaijan Baku was like, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. But it's still, I, I, the people, they, they're kind of curious about you. I wouldn't say unfriendly or friendly. They're just kind of mm-hmm. looking at you, trying to work out who you are. They just know you're not yeah. from here, you know. They're, they're thinking, um, is this some Armenian comic? <laughs> Yeah, why has he got Mkhitaryan Arsenal jersey on? <laughs> you should never have worn that there. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. No, so it, it was definitely one of the positive... And again, one of the comedians I was there with, we walked the city, you know. Um, we'd just walk and chat, and we'd have a walk for an hour, an hour and a half, and then we'd stop, have a coffee, have a Diet Coke, whatever, and then chat 
walk again. So it was a beautiful, again, a beautiful way to see the city sure. uh, and, and get to know someone. Yeah. China. How how's been gigging in China? How was that experience? China is different because I done Hong Kong, um, and then you go back. There's a promoter in Hong Kong. He's there over twenty years, and he's run like everyone's played there. Peter K. McIntyre, you know everyone you could have ever thought of. Big American names have passed through. Um, but then he do Hong Kong and then into somewhere else in Asia. So depending on when you went there, this time it's like, you know, previously I went to the Philippines, into Thailand. But one time I went to from Hong Kong, you cross the border from Hong Kong and Shenzhen is there, which is a tiny, was a tiny fishing village. And now is a city with a population of like 20 million. Incredible. And what we were told about Shenzhen was if you see made in China on on any product, it more than likely means made in Shenzhen right? because it's next to Hong Kong. So they can get it shipped, it, ship it out quite into Hong Kong port and it's gone around the world. Yeah. So people, you know, so when we're in Shenzhen, um, you're meeting all people, businessmen from all over the world who are coming over. Oh yeah. I want to get scissors made here of a certain style. So I have a meeting and we stayed in the, the hard rock hotel, which is incredible. Like you walk in, in reception, there's like 50, 60 electric guitars up in the wall. Oh, wow. And they give you, there's, there's guitar lesson videos on in your, in your room if you want them. There's a, you can get a guitar to your room right. and learn how to play guitar. And Shenzhen is one of those cities, it, because it, um, it kind of expanded so quickly, it's now, it's kind of the 1980s, early 90s feel to it. Okay. So that's when it was almost built. Yeah, so yeah. I don't, you know, you'd see the odd old bit, but you kind of feel, oh, this is a place that was brand new. 20 odd years ago again the, the shenzhen i was in uh guangzhou and Qingdao, shanghai beijing and xi'an xi'an is the place with there's it's a walled city the te- terracotta warriors near, right it's near where the terracotta warriors is and that's when you get the lesson on the how the chinese treat tourists they're literally just they're just lying to you to try and get you to spend money so they're going oh look the farmer who discovered the terracotta warriors is here today. So you can pay and get your picture. This is, this never <laughs> happens. And I'm going, yeah, it never happens. It ha- <laughs> just happened to be walking by the place that day. Yeah, it just happened to be sitting there. And you see this old Chinese guy chain smoking cigarettes. <laughs> and there's a book about the discovery of the terracotta warriors. And he signs it. And you're going, oh, great. I got my book autographed by a farmer. <laughs> Well, we bought, we have a we have a mini terracotta warrior downstairs on the mantelpiece, oh, but you could see it's fascinating mm-hmm. the whole story, yeah. um, you know Guangzhou, Qingdao, Shanghai, and Beijing. Like Beijing is so cultural, it's amazing. Um, when I was there the first time, we stayed in a hotel called the Opposite House, which is my favorite hotel I was ever in. It's just this beautiful hotel. It didn't have a reception; they just kind of meet you. Okay. And sit down with you, and they kind of work on a little iPad or a laptop, and then they'd go over to a drawer in the wall and pull out your key and give it. And it's just, but it was just beautiful. Yeah. Um, I went down for breakfast one of the mornings, and I'm sitting there. The restaurant manager comes over. His name was Leo, and he looks at me and goes, "You're from Limerick," and I went, "Yeah." I was like, "How the hell does he?" But he'd studied English in the University of Limerick, and I, I was like, I, it was almost like I couldn't believe it. Mm. And he goes, yeah, no, I was in University of Limerick, like, and I just, it made me laugh so much. And he said like Um, as well. Like at the end of the sentence, (laughs) real. Uh, Definitely a habit he picked up in Limerick. (laughs) But I think he'd worked in some place in Limerick that I used to go into. So he obviously, not just because I was a comedian, but he had seen me 
somewhere but he was a lovely guy it was just an amazing yeah. thing you know it shows you how small yeah. the world can be at times That's incredible can i ask you a general question um on travel and you know is, is there anything that or what is the thing that excites you most about travel and, and seeing these places would you say it's the it's the newness and the freshness and just you, you like it sometimes um you'll notice something you know that the locals you know you might tell them at the gig but the one um the funny one, the, the second time I was in Beijing a couple of years ago as well, was I was gone for, I went for a walk and I'm passing all the embassies. So you're like, and it's funny, you're like the different ones that are next door to each other. It's not organized anyway through the world's geography. So you'd like Ecuador, Norway. And there's the same kind of Chinese young soldier who's got a jacket, a coat on him that's too big for him. He's got a rifle. And they're kind of guarding it. So there's one guy, it's kind of the fence is up. So there's one guy guarding each embassy as you walk along. But then it was UNICEF. And they had the same kind of guy on sentry duty. And I'm going, who the hell is going to attack UNICEF <laughs> You know, oh, those UNICEF going around feeding children all over the world. I'm going to let them know. I'm going to attack that, <laughs> their business. In uh, So the UNICEF building was in the embassy quarter. and Because I stopped and I kind of laughed. And I could see your man, the soldier, kind of moved. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, I'm getting out of here. Because <laughs> he's thinking, oh, he's stopping. What's he up to? Um, but, yeah, it's the newness. And obviously, the, you, you get to know the culture. Mm-hmm. That... Um, the first time I was in Beijing, I stayed on. I did the gig and then I stayed on for a few days for a holiday. And it was around the time, I think it was the 60th anniversary. Yes, I think that the 70th anniversary of the, the cultural rising, Mao Zedong and all that. So we were in um, Tiananmen Square and walking around the Forbidden City, all this. But all the Chinese people were there because they had, there was like a special holiday. So the whole of China was on holidays for a week. Okay. So a lot of the Chinese people decided, oh, let's go to Beijing. We've never been. And this is our chance to celebrate the anniversary. So they, a lot of them coming from small towns and villages, just don't meet Western people. So we were literally getting followed around Tiananmen Square. Yeah. Wow. By people. We only seen it in our photos afterwards. Because we're taking the photos and then we realised that girl was in our photos <laughs> for the whole afternoon. But the funniest thing, the funniest thing was we're walking around and then there was a Mao Zedong lookalike in, in, in kind of his uniform. Yeah. And because I'm Western, he kind of laughed when he saw me. I walk over and I shook his hand and the whole place erupted <laughs> it was just so funny yeah. and you're kind of going you don't need language sometimes to make people yeah, laugh yeah at the gigs i mean you know do you, do you find that comedy does cross borders or you know are you trying to kind of tweak your set to to, to make sure you're kind of hitting the notes or or maybe you know staying away from certain areas when you're in a specific country yeah. well you don't the, the bit of advice that um I don't know if I got the wording exactly right. You you take and you try and I've passed it on. Was I remember Tommy Tiernan chatting to me and another comedian had asked him the question, basically a similar question. And he kind of, it was like, you, you need to make sure that your jokes work in Dublin, Dubai, Dubrovnik, if you're going to be doing traveling around the place. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? That they're, they're not, you know, oh, Mary Harney this, or, yeah. you know, at the time. Um and funny enough, the next time I saw Tommy, he was doing loads of stuff on the Cork accent. And I went, he doesn't even follow his own advice. <laughs> he was trying to throw you. But, d- yeah. <laughs> but you are you are conscious of the fact that, 
you know, you you have to make sure if they don't know the reference mm-hmm. that you'll just you you maybe need to a little bit more exposition at the start yeah. that you'll clarify where you're coming from with this. So they go, oh yeah, right now that's you know, but um no, I think I humor is 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 similar all over the world. Mm-hmm. The place where I noticed the most difference because of all the gigs you've done, I've done, you know where you go to whether it's Africa, Asia, whatever. The one place that was different mm-hmm. was India. Okay. Because India, it wasn't expats, it was locals. Okay. So we're in Bombay and the comedy, the comedy store in London had opened a comedy store, Bombay or Mumbai, same place, but the locals call it Bombay. So try and, try and be politically correct. <laughs> and um, comedy was the coolest thing. Okay. So we went to, we're doing a gig in the comedy store, uh, Bombay, and it's perfect, perfectly built, designed comedy club. And it's the coolest people. Like the 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 staff were getting so excited. There was Bollywood stars coming. Shil Pachetti was in one night. Um, Jim, the girl from that was on Big yeah, Celebrity Big Brother remember, a few yeah. years ago. She won it, I think. But so there was Bollywood stars. There were like sports stars, and of course we might know some of the names, but we don't really know them. Mm. But the one thing we were told is so it's all Indians. So we're all like, oh no, this will be fun. And now they laughed. Most things they got straight away. Beautiful, the most attractive audience I think I've ever played till. <laughs> Um, and very sharp. So you knew, oh, that didn't work because of that. But the funny thing, we were told before the gig started, the, the manager of the club had been in the Comedy Store London. He said, the one thing that they'll really go for is smut. Oh. And I'm like, what? I says, if they don't talk like we do back at home. So I'm like going, I don't believe this. You know, I, I put any reference, any kind of innuendo or even sex story went down a storm right. because it was so yeah. outrageous. You were obviously in your element. No, well, I, I, I didn't. I, I tested the waters a little <laughs> bit. Going back maybe what, 50, 60 years ago. Um, <laughs> no, but your, your earliest travel memory, I mean, is, is, is travel something that always... You always had a love for, or was there kind of a, a trip that kind of maybe? I did. I did my first. I, I don't know. Was it my? It probably was my first foreign holiday as a kid. Was to Tenerife, and we were meant to go to Benidorm on a two-week summer holiday in nineteen seventy-nine. Okay. And I think there was some refugee crisis or something, and Benidorm was used to house the refugees. So our holiday was then switched to the Canary Islands. Mm-hmm. So we were in Tenerife, and it was. Uh, it was an amazing experience, you know, just being somewhere different. I nearly drowned on the holiday because okay. um, I couldn't swim properly and I got st- stuck in the pool right. and I was rescued by some man. Um, yeah, so that was memorable in <laughs> itself. Uh, but that was just your traditional kind of summer holiday. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1981, I was Limerick uh, United went to Holland in a European match and we went to Alkmaar. Um, we got chased by hooligans, nearly died there as well. <laughs> but we were we were in Amsterdam and just walking around Amsterdam was, you know, it was eye opening. You just, you know, you realise places, there's other places in the world. Mm. How old were and, you, you know, on just, that trip? I was nine, going on, coming up to ten. Okay, well, okay. Coming up to ten. And uh, my father organised that trip because he was a fan of Limerick. And the funny thing was... I think it was that the Limerick Football Club were meant to be, take this trip, like a 40 people, and they went through Dublin to a different travel agent. So the guy in Limerick was stuck with 40 trips, you know, for different. So he rang my father. My father said, oh, I don't know if I get rid of them. Went on the local radio and said, oh, if anyone wants to go to, um, it's a five-day trip to Amsterdam for the Limerick Alkmaar match. And the phone never stopped ringing. And my father was going like, 
my father told we talked about this only a couple of years ago. He said, I never knew half these guys. I said, God, I never knew he was into football. <laughs> and then he said, Oh, it was Amsterdam. Like it took him years <laughs> to realise that the lads were like, and there's your match ticket. He goes, What? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> That there was guys going, yeah, I'm going to Amsterdam for that match. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that that's it was years later. My father's naivety, like he said, he couldn't get over it. Like he could have sold out the trip a couple yeah, of times over. God, yeah. So that was great. That was actually even my first time. So I was nine, nearly ten, and in the bar of the hotel, you know, there'd be the other Limerick fans. I remember saying stuff and making people laugh. Okay. And it, that was the first time in my life I thought, oh. People find me funny, so if nothing else, um, yeah, okay. I don't think it counts as my first gig, but um, you weren't was, paid I was, was being smart. I was, I, I can't remember a word of what I said, but I do remember them really laughing okay. and going, Oh, he's funny, okay. and I think that was my intention, right. <laughs> which, which isn't always the case, true, true. <laughs> yeah. I, I've seen that, I've been a witness to that, um, very good, but um, I suppose we've been talking a lot about you know, great travel memories and, you know, places that you've loved. Is there anywhere that you would say now you safely will not return to? Um, the uh, Kilimanjaro. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I got, I got altitude sickness. Oh, right, okay. Um, you did that for charity, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, but I don't go on about my charity. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, it was a TV thing. It was, again, about 10 years ago, and I'd been... Um, I I went to, was it the World Cup was just after that then I went I think yeah but um yeah I was in Africa twice in two thousand and ten mm-hmm. wasn't it yeah and um but I I couldn't sleep one of the nights I slept for like ten minutes I don't even know if I did sleep and I had a, a, just the altitude sickness and then I got down and when I got back down I was fine I had a, we got got back with me and one of the girls she was doing the PR went off the mountain we could still drive like it was like a four hour drive but it was the last bit before um so it was two thirds up but uh um it's embarrassing when you're like struggling and you see guys carrying like 14 or 15 lawn chairs mm. on his back and just strolling up wearing flip-flops yeah. and you've got all the gear yeah. but um went off went down to the hotel and had a pizza and i felt like a god like you know i was rejuvenated yeah. I was like, oh bring me back i'm fine but um i couldn't i know i was in yeah. bits the night before couldn't literally couldn't sleep right. And I was, you know, I was gone, almost panic attack. Yeah. Oh, geez, I just want to fucking sleep. Why yeah, you, sleep? you never know how worse. you're going to react to it, really, until you're up at that. Yeah, but they were telling me, they were telling me up there that Martina Navratilova had to be taken off the bed. <laughs> okay, that made you feel a whole lot better. And he said, yeah, every day it says it's nothing to do with fitness or anything like that. It says it just happened. I was like, yeah, I don't know if they're telling me this or not. But when we were down and like the last day um, before we go home, there was... Um, they're telling me, oh, God, yeah, two people died the other day. And I'm like, what? He says, oh, yeah, people die most weeks. And I'm going, what? And they were going, oh, yeah, they don't tell you when you're climbing that people have died. Um, there was another woman on the trip had to be airlifted, was airlifted right. um, to Kenya, I think. Yeah. Yeah. In the couple of days I was down there then, after coming off the mountain myself and Heather was her name, the pure girl, we kind of went to the safari park. We had a great time. Okay. Um, uh, going around for a couple of days so they, overall the trip and the people on it we had such it was a great group of people but um, uh, yeah at that time when I was say I tried to ring they said they, 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 when we reached the camp before I went down I didn't know I was gone at that stage mm-hmm. 
I said, this is the last place you can ring your partner. And I rang Rachel yeah. and I literally couldn't talk. Yeah. I was like, uh, and she's like, oh my God, are you okay? And I went, I'm fine, you know, yeah, and I was yeah. like, but uh, okay, bit scary. I texted her. So it was a bit scary, yeah. but it was, you know, it was just, it was one of those, I think, just mental and physical exhaustion just, you know, really destroyed. Yeah. And I was like, but uh, so you won't be rushing back was, to the summit. Kilimanjaro. No, I, it was one of those. I I said I I said I'd go back, and um, I was like, nah, mm. nah, I've kind of done enough of it. Yeah, nah, that's <laughs> fair enough. So then, on the opposite end of things, your your favorite travel destination? Would you be able? It's always a difficult one, but is there somewhere you, you would say? Um, I, I don't know. Just in it, like last 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 year, last April twenty nineteen, I did a European tour and. That was one of my best travel experiences. Reykjavik, we were in Reykjavik for about five days and I absolutely loved it. Now, we experienced most of Reykjavik, so, mm-hmm. you know, I'd highly recommend it rather than I'd be rushing back. Yeah. Lisbon, a few years back, was just beautiful. And they have, they, their equivalent of Temple Bar mm-hmm. is the Barrialto, and it's just, you know, so it's all cobblestones yeah. and the bars are there and you can order your drink and then just walk through the streets but it's so polite and quiet and they've signs up if you feel the need to shout and roar then go to spain and it's just (laughs) beautiful and people behave themselves and i go like and i've even i've walked through temple bar during the day and you see people falling out Mm -hmm. on like but it was just so beautiful it was like people are kind of friendly chatting to each other Mm -hmm. the bars and restaurants were gorgeous um and that was a nice place Mm -hmm. Um, the last holiday I had was Bilbao, which was, again, was beautiful. Um, as you know, I'm a football fan, so I got to visit the new San Mamez, the new Aleti Stadium, nice. but, um, and the Guggenheim. It was beautiful. There, again, there's an old town in Bilbao, but um, that was a beautiful, beautiful place. Yeah. And because it wasn't high season, you know, we were, you know, there's only, there was only, it, was, it was more the real Bilbao rather than lots of tourists around. Sure, sure. You know, so it was, it was good fun like yeah. that. Uh, but they were kind of city breaks. Budapest, you know, I, I'd have happier kind of... Vienna, I suppose, would be the one. I've been to Vienna a couple of times and I'd go back there again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, yeah. Lots, lots of great cities there. Uh, and yeah. Lisbon has always been a place that I felt, you know, it's kind of overlooked a lot in terms of European cities. Such a great, great city. I think it is, yeah. It's funny because I know my name is Spain, but <laughs> I've been to Barcelona a couple of times, but I haven't, like, going to Bilbao, I think I should go to Spain more. <laughs> I don't know, was did I have some kind of aversion to going to Spain? But, yeah, I'm, I'm like, Valencia and Seville down the south, mm-hmm. I think, is uh, mm-hmm. are on the list as well. We drove to San Sebastian when we were in Bilbao as well, mm-hmm. which is gorgeous, you know, it was beautiful. So you sound like much more of a city man than, than the outdoors. Would you agree with that? Um, yeah, I don't mind the outdoors as such. I think I like the the comfort and convenience of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, there is a bit, there is a bit of that, yeah, yeah. Um, I just, I think you even mentioned in Vienna, I went to Bratislava at that time, you know, it's a 40 minutes on the train for a, a night or two and we, a girl attempted to pickpocket me. Oh, really? Which I'm still, ang- still angry <laughs> <Okay>. about. <laughs> I carry my wallet in my front pocket and she just literally blatantly, I just grabbed her hand and pulled it out and she's like, what, what? And I was like, get the fuck, get the fuck off. <laughs> Another place you won't be returned to, I take it. No, she really, she really put me off. She's right. putting me off. I, okay, that's you know, not a reflection of Bratislava. Yeah, I should tell the Slovakians that um, 
you know, Bratislava put me off. Whereas Prague was beautiful. <laughs> no one tried to pickpocket me there. Um, yeah. Germany, I haven't mentioned, is a place I love, actually. Okay. I've been a few places in Munich and Berlin, um, Mainz, um, Wiesbaden. Um, uh, I was there during the World Cup as well uh, in 2006. So all over like Cologne and Stuttgart oh, and great. Hamburg and places. So that was, it, especially during the World Cup, um, the Germans outdid themselves like mm-hmm. you know really were yeah. overly friendly. Right. They you know it was they were so nice. Yeah. They were so nice. They are um, great people. The Germans, I, I find. I you know a great bunch of lads. I think <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the truisms from Father Ted. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and the funny thing was in Berlin. Um, we did Berlin myself and Rachel on a city break, and we stayed in the building. We stayed the hotel. We stayed in had been a Stasi building. Mm-hmm. So it was converted into a hotel. So we were, it's kind of a weird vibe that you know that, that this was an ex, you know, there were people interrogated, probably beaten or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, in the hotel lobby, there was a series of leaflets and one of the, you know, of different museums to go see. Mm-hmm. So we're looking through it and there was the spy museum and it was near enough. Okay. You know, so we were actually staying near Checkpoint Charlie. Right. So the spy museum was, you know, five minutes walk away. Yeah. So we went down to the building, like we followed our man and we were like, there's no spy museum here. And we, a guy came out of the building and said, is the spy museum here? And he goes, oh no, it was meant to be here and it never opened. And I couldn't, I started laughing going, what a museum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the spy museum that can't be found. <laughs> it's there somewhere though. Yeah. It's the greatest museum, but they're probably looking at us. <laughs> very good, very good. So when things, when the travel restrictions are lifted and we're, we have some kind of normality, you know, whether you have that mask on or whatever, uh, is, is there somewhere that you would love to just, or will be the first place you'll try and go to? The first place I would try and go if I had, would be somewhere like a Vienna or a German city that, that I haven't been to before, you know, maybe somewhere else in Austria. I, you know, one of those, that, that's kind of what we do in our house is we pick one of those European cities and go there. Mm-hmm. We haven't been, but my top of my list of places to go would be South America or Cuba. They're like they're on my wish okay. list and have been for many years. Um, my grandmother used to want to go to Cuba before Castro died, um, and now they're both dead. But um, it's not related, uh, is it? No, no, no. <laughs> she wanted to get back. She, 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 she infected him with the, that. Was the real start of the COVID. My <laughs> granny made it in her in her shed. Um, no, but South America is somewhere I haven't been to that I would love to go. Okay. Um, and I hope it's, uh, it's yeah, a couple, do, do Buenos Aires and maybe, you know, Chile, Venezuela, yeah. you know, and yeah, do a few of them. Yeah. Um, Lima, go, get around South America for a couple of weeks, months, whatever. Yeah. And um, that's certainly on my list of things to do. But um, I imagine the first place would be um some european city as a holiday yeah. um or for practical going to rachel's sister in chelmsford okay. uh, near Stansted. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's if if i was to if i was to put money on it that would be probably the first okay. place we'd go when we leave fair the country enough. fair enough well look that's brilliant Is, you know i could talk to you all day about travel and you, you've no, traveled you couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not actually i think i'm done actually you know but uh no look it's great to hear of where comedy has taken you you know over the years and um you know some of the places and stories that you have it's it's genuinely genuinely a thrill and there's um most of my photos like i used to be one in college i know we both studied photography but i used to take lots of photos and i kind of stopped then for a few years 
and when I started doing comedy, I started again, you know, when I traveled, yeah. that was, the, so most of my photos in recent years are from, from my trips, you know, bad photos of, you know, um, the wall in front of me here in my house is actually postcards from yeah, different okay. places I've been, you know, yeah. so, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, rec- recently, Bilbao, yeah, we have a wall in this house. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you obviously have a, you know, a passion for travel for sure, and I do no. I genuinely, it's it's like like Azerbaijan. I remember like saying to people like, why would I have gone to Azerbaijan? And as I was said, I was due to go a second time, you know. And China is, I think most, you know, your average person, you think, and you might go to China once mm-hmm. or you might go whatever. But um, yeah, to go back a few times, it's just you know that's the good thing. Is that's why I'm there. Yeah. Always be good in the gig. Always make yeah. them invite you back. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. No, look, Carl, it's been a pleasure. Thanks a million for taking the time to chat to me on the Itchy Feet Travel podcast. Obviously, people can't see a gig right now, but I do see you're doing some kind of live podcast for the Roisin Dove, is it? Yeah, on the Roisin Dove comedy page every Tuesday night and once in a while every Friday night we do a bigger gig. Okay, well, look, best of luck at that. And um, yeah, yeah, thanks again and hope to chat to you soon. Cheers, Cheers, Joe. Always a pleasure. <laughs> this episode of the Itchy Feet Travel Podcast was produced and presented by me, Joe O'Connor. Editing and music by Paul Lochran. Thanks again to my guest, Carl Spain, for joining me. And thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more great guests in the weeks ahead. But in the meantime, don't forget to subscribe to the Itchy Feet Travel Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take care, safe travels, and chat soon.